Hello and welcome to episode 39 of Art Supply Posse, a podcast about art supplies and the people that use them. My name is Heather Avard and I am joined by the birthday girl, Kathy Campbell. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Happy belated birthday, Kathy. I believe Thank yesterday you. was the it was the actual day. Yes, it was. And it's so great because with the internet, uh, so like I got a birthday card on Thursday and of course I posted it because it was adorable and uh, had a unicorn on it. And then I got a (laughs) slew of like tweets and Facebook posts like happy birthday. And then I even got messages like, or no, on Friday I uh, had an official like post from a friend that said happy birthday. And I was like, hey, thank you. Just so you know, my birthday's not until Sunday. And she's like, oh, I'm just busy. What? Okay, whatever. But then I got two messages from friends that were like, uh, Facebook didn't remind me that it was your birthday today. Can I, like, what What do I do? And I was just like, no, it's okay. It's not until Sunday. And I'm just like, so there's this level of added stress almost. Uh when you have a birthday now yeah you spend makes... some time making other people feel okay about the fact that they forgot your birthday that's or or didn't yes. know about it there's there's some of that, <laughs> that, that yeah that yeah. responsibility in it awesome. it's funny that you said that about facebook though because i think that was the first thing out of my mouth when i saw on twitter that it was your birthday I was like this is why i have to use facebook more we i wouldn't be in this situation <laughs> It's like the 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 right. last remaining use case for Facebook is as a great birthday reminder. <laughs> yep, it's perfect for birthdays and it's perfect for accessing other people's networks. So it's like true. uh I just started rehearsals for the importance of being earnest. And so we talked about accents and I was like, okay, so I, I need a West Country accent for my character and I was just like, uh, okay, so I like talked to a couple of my friends that live in uh britain and one of them ended up making a post on facebook like asking for people that had that accent i was like sweet i don't even have to do the research like other people will do it for me (laughs) send you just a couple audio files of them saying yeah exactly because really i just have a couple lines which is great and most of them are yes miss but i still want to make sure i I nail the the accent (laughs) yeah i think um i feel like we maybe have even talked about this before but uh facebook is a a huge part of local organizing because people that can't um pay their phone bill month to month they get contract phones and their their actual phone services in and out but they get these cheap android phones and they're connected to the internet so i can stay in touch with people that i'm working with through facebook messenger even when their phone bills are in and out and over and oh, awesome. that's kept me kind of grounded as uh, keeping my Facebook's hate snobbery sort of at bay because <laughs> uh, there's a not there's a lot not to love about the company and the product and the environment. But yes. it also is a huge resource for a lot of people that that don't have other options so i try to keep that in mind doesn't mean that i have to spend my time with my my face in the facebook hole but yes um, (laughs) i I try to be like you know it's great for some things it's great for some things (laughs) yes 
Yeah, for sure. And it's 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 always nice to have a good balance with yeah. anything. And and to realize that if you say have some people that may show up in your feed that are not the kindest of people, you can just hide them. Yeah, and then you it's don't true. have to see rage things. And they won't know that you can't see it. And so that's kind of a nice, like, passive-aggressive way to get people out <laughs> of your life that you don't want to see. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's, a, that's a good feature. And I feel like people really have caught on to that. All the, all the sort of, uh, well, um, women that are a half a generation older than me that I, I work with a lot in sort of uh-huh. local stuff because... Uh, that's most of the people that run nonprofits. It turns out in the middle, at least of the part <laughs> of the country where I, I live. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like you could just unfollow them. It's like this little trick they've learned. Like, mm, don't want to hear from you. Little bit of unfollow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Love it. Anywho, uh, how was your birthday? What did you get up to? It was good. I woke up to breakfast. In, well, first I woke up at 4.30 in the morning for absolutely no reason and just kind of laid in bed good, like, why good. am I awake? <laughs> so I read for a little bit and then I was thankfully able to fall asleep again, which I am so amazingly thankful for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when little Miss Avi woke up at about 8, she brought me be- breakfast in bed. So I had uh, Fruit Loops with milk. With milk, man, ten for ten. I was, I was like, did you get cereal right. with orange juice poured <laughs> over it or something? <laughs> oh no, we're you know she's not a, she's eight, so she yeah. knows what happened. Um, but I also got the very last cookie to have with my breakfast, which was very kind of her. Oh, she's like, she's like a little old woman at the temple with her penny, like yes. She yes. she no, she gave exactly she it. gave out of her poverty. There was only one cookie. <laughs> uh, and then she also gave me the birthday card that she made, which was so sweet as always. Her little artistic skills, but it was very black and white this time. No color, just pencil and paper. So that w- I found that interesting, especially since she has all of the art supplies available. Oh, I can't believe I've never try. asked you this before. What is her level of like my mom is a unicorn awareness? Was was her Oh, she is very aware <laughs> yeah. that I'm a unicorn. <laughs> That's uh, so cool. My <laughs> my card has my face drawn on a unicorn. Uh-huh. Well, technically it's a pegacorn because it has wings. <laughs> oh my gosh, if I didn't know get... that was a thing. A pegacorn? Oh, yes. Like a Pegasus yes, you... unicorn? Yes, exactly. Ooh, I'm going to look for um, opportunities to correct people about that in <laughs> environments where it would set me up as a, a nerd. Like, um, you know, not in a mean way, but in a, in a like, right. excuse me, um, I just uh, needed to point out. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would be a very important thing to do. Well, it's an essential skill when people try to make you feel bad by being fancy. It's like you have to yeah. you have to reverse engineer it and then pretend to be uh, even stupider than they think you are and, and make them <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then if you want to get into the younger generation, mm-hmm. um, an alicorn is the pegacorn version on My Little Pony. Oh, geez. Um, so they're called alicorns, which coincidentally is like an old term for the horn itself. Okay. So 
uh, I found that really interesting. I got told by my daughter that it's an alley corn. Are there only corn, are, are there distinguishing physical characteristics of the alley corn, or is that just the in-universe language? Well, it's it's just like a peg of corn, so it's a a pony with wings and a horn. Gotcha. But they call them alley corns. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Maybe because it's not. They're not called Pegasus. Uh-huh. They're called air ponies or like winged ponies. There's a, there's a bunch of different gotcha. ways that they... Um, yeah. I don't remember where this was. Maybe it was in an interview or something, but um, the w- woman... Um, I always forget how to pronounce her name, like Tina Roth Eisenberg. I think that's the f- how you pronounce it. She um, writes the Swiss Miss blog and runs Tatley mm. and yes. founded Creative Mornings. So she talks a lot about doing work that she loves and that as an influence on her young children and she told a story one time about somebody asked her daughter i think what her mom did for a living and she said she sits in front of her computer and laughs (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing yeah so i love that i like to imagine avi explaining that to her parent to her kid like not her kids her friends you know like what does your mom do well, she wears a unicorn on her headphones <laughs> right. and she laughs in front of her computer. <laughs> Pretty much. I could see that being very accurate. Uh, she would also, or she would just say, she's a unicorn. Yeah, she's a unicorn. Well, you, yeah. No, no follow-up information. No. Yeah, you don't need to describe anything else. She's just a unicorn. Period. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, so we were chatting before the show that the whole, I think this week's whole theme is going to be um, like uh, seventh grade girls uh, because we have a birthday party talk and then um, I got a little kitty cat so it's going to be kitty cat talk and then later on there will be a uh, gel pen talk so everybody yes. is welcome to channel their preteen selves because there's going to be a lot of giddiness and, and sparkly and, and fun <laughs> yes as it should be especially for the episode coming out my birthday week it's let's true. just get the glitter it's true glitter involved <laughs> So speaking of kitty talk, tell me about the kitty. I got to see her. Yes, you did. We had a little uh, conference call earlier. So she is she's like the size of cantaloupe and she's she's (laughs) ridiculous. Uh, I feel so unprepared. I I feel like I am the typical like uh, overthinking um, (laughs) pet owner. You know, I'm like, oh, no, like I had to renovate my whole bathroom and like my trailer just has holes in it all over the place because that's how they come. (laughs) And so I was like screwing up planks of random plywood that I had around trying to cover all these holes because there's all these (laughs) holes that go like right down into the plumbing. And then the neighborhood is just full of vicious uh, feline sexual predators like she's not fixed and I'm like no she's gonna she's gonna get little tiny baby's self's gonna get pregnant it's gonna be terrible <laughs> so it's like way overreacting and I've never had a pet before either so it's like she just uh, everything she touches smells like cat and I I have no way to handle this yet I'm just like stop I'm gonna have to like quarantine her or something I'm going out later tonight to just buy baking soda and Febreze I'm like this is gonna get out of control <laughs> yes yes that's it's dangerous for sure you have to be um, is she fully potty trained um, I think so she okay sh- her her f- so I adopted her from a, a family 
down the way in the trailer park and they said that she was um using the litter box fine and as far as i can tell pretty much 10 for 10 but i know Good. that's one of the things the internet says is like keep a lookout because sometimes they get like Happy favorite secondary litter box areas, <laughs> so <laughs> you want to keep an eye out for that. Um, but I figure I have I have a short window where I can still tell how bad it smells <laughs> until it gets normal. Yes. So I'm like, okay, gotta take immediate action. <laughs> yeah, for sure, especially because it's something that it's very difficult to manage once you get used to it yeah you gotta stay on top of it so anyway that's all like day three kitten talk which is much more practical i would say day one kitten talk was like i just had a spinal cord like i was just like (laughs) she's so cute she's she's so little she sits on my shoulder and she just like bumps her face into my face she's just like Hello. She loves you. <laughs> yeah, she's already killed two mice, and it was so great. Like, uh, this little mouse came into the living room, and I, like, trapped it under my desk, and I just kind of, like, chucked her under there. I was like, go get it. Like, <laughs> see what you think. <laughs> and she, she she was, like, she's just a born mouser, so that was cool. So I let her, I let her sort of, like, have her, have her moment. You know, there's some... There's some post mouse catching activities that the cats enjoy, which in general, you want to kind of put the lockdown on that. But I was like, I really want her to discover her new hobby. So I was like, I just left the room. I was like, I'll let you have a little minute. I think I think uh, most of the (laughs) work was done. You know, it was it wasn't really a mouse. uh, It wasn't really a live mouse anymore. So I was like, okay, (laughs) you just take a minute and realize how much you like this. So she's already caught another mouse after that. So. I think mouser check, super friendly check. I think I've spent all of my whatever karmic credit I had built up. I like burnt it all on this like perfect it, little cat. Probably, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I'm comfortable with that. Um, yeah, it's worth it because oh my gosh, she's so cute. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> uh, tell the audience the final name. Oh yes, so because we did. Uh, final name Lucy. I went with, I don't remember who it was. One of the listeners that recommended Lucy and I thought that was a great name. So now she's Lucy yeah. and she kind of answers to it, but I think more cause she can tell when I'm calling her more so yeah. than, uh, like knowing what that word means, but yeah, it's definitely unlike, um, dogs who tend to be able to actually decipher word sounds Cats tend to just be like, you could call them whatever you want. And then like, if they know that you're talking about them, depending on the cat, they Mm -hmm. will either come to you and be like, oh, yes, you rang (laughs) or like, uh, screw you. No. Yeah. So far, she is not she's not mm, very aloof. I don't know. Maybe she'll get more like that when she's older. Not necessarily. Um, Our youngest. So we have two cats and a dog. um, But our cats, we have a gigantic orange tabby who his name is Pumpkin, Mm -hmm. of course. Um, And he's 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 fairly aloof. He's not a jerk necessarily. um, But Mm -hmm. he, you know, he's he's a little old man. (laughs) Um, But our young one uh Icarus is a uh, tabby and he we've had him since a, a kitten and 
he's always been very, very friendly mm-hmm. um, and not very aloof unless he wants to actively ignore us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, he goes on walks with us when we walk the dog. Yeah. And he's only aloof if he is standing in the middle of the street, like, playing chicken with a car. <laughs> well, I would like to make an open call for cat opinions because I know so very little about owning a cat. So if there are important uh, partisan issues that I need to understand, <laughs> uh, do's and don'ts, um, I I am uh, available to be recruited to a particular way of cat thinking. So send your walls of cat text and I will read them and um, yes, we can be I will make sure team. that she reads them. <laughs> I, I wanted to say, like, I was like, okay, first of all, I have to promise Kathy that I won't compare my cat to her daughter. But then on second thought, <laughs> I was like, I'm probably not actually prepared to do that. Like, I'm probably going to need to give it a month because <laughs> at this well, point, I think it would be an irresponsible promise for me to make. <laughs> right. And I mean, there's one thing. I'm OK with uh, comparisons like that because I am also I I will. Uh, you, you train human children the same way that you train pets, basically. It's all very similar mindsets. Um, however, as long as you don't start like saying, oh, well, my cat also did me a picture for my birthday, then that's a little much. And I'll say, hold on now. But yes, feel the, free to. The thing that, you know, mostly is a joke, but I would say the thing that really does bring parenting metaphors to my mind is this is my first pet ever. So it's it's the first thing with like a cardiovascular system that I'm responsible for <laughs> and and it's like it's a weird feeling to have your brain kind of split in half it's like half of me is at this meeting and half of me is thinking about my cat and whether my cat is alive and <laughs> from what I've heard from parents you always have these kind of like little subroutines in your brain going like are my kids still alive like it's yeah a, it's it's like a background process that just like never shuts down <laughs> Pretty much, especially so right now, Avi is downstairs with two of her friends Mm -hmm. and they're playing and I can kind of sort of hear them. And so I'm constantly just waiting for a scream or a yell or like, oh my gosh, the world is ending type of a a moment. Yeah. And I think Um, people get to be pretty good at that. But when you first start doing it, it's a very strange feeling. Um, Have you read Pat Rothfuss's books? the king killer books so you know then that in that book um doing magic is this thing that you do with your brain by sort of splitting your consciousness into different pieces and holding different ideas at the same time and you know i have this um friend who has um three kids under the age of four and she is she's uh, magnificent with them she trucks them out into public every day it's craziness and when i watch her i feel like she could be a magician in that book because she she's like locked on to like four different things and keeping them in her mind and monitoring yeah, them and checking and like in on juggling them, them <laughs> yeah. and that's impressive yeah so yeah shout out to all the parent brains that um have learned to do that because it still hurts my brain and the only thing at stake is like uh a tiny little cat that weighs a pound and a half so yeah well especially f- to parents of multiple children uh because so uh for 
my birthday, the end of the day, I uh, went and watched Neighbor Kids mm-hmm. while uh, they went and did a thing, which totally fine. I wouldn't have said yes if I, but I had no other plans. And mm-hmm. Avi got to go play with them too. And holy cow, there were five children in the house. <laughs> uh, ranging from like two to. I think the oldest is 10. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I was so exhausted. <laughs> I remember hearing a conversation between hearing, like I overheard. Yeah, they recorded it and put yes. it on the internet. But um, John Syracuse talking to Merlin Mann. And John has two kids and Merlin has one yes. kid. And John was talking about having the kids outnumbered. <laughs> which i thought was like the crudest and most hilarious way of talking about john has the best way of talking about his kids where he's so affectionate but so practical and he's like the thing about having two kids is that like you don't have them outnumbered anymore you kind of have to go toe-to-toe with them at least with (laughs) one you can sort of pass them back and forth and always try to stay on top of things (laughs) (laughs) it's so true yeah i think that's my favorite part about irreconcilable differences which i can't say very well Mm -hmm. but uh that that podcast is just fantastic because you get to see the human side of john syracuse who's you know he's a fantastic human being but he gets very um you know intense on things yeah he's uh hands down my favorite podcaster i just uh so it's so good love it yeah um anywho we also got some uh, pretty some- <laughs> great emails this week. Yeah. I was going to say 20 minutes in. Let's finally <laughs> Let's start doing do the show. <laughs> this has been Cats and Birthdays. <laughs> yes. Hooray. <laughs> yeah. So we got a great, a bunch of great feedback this week. Um, and I'll start with uh, an email from Caitlin about paintbrushes which was fantastic uh and it was so sweet of her to say that there was some new information that she learned which always makes me happy to hear um because on the one part it's like i'm not a professional and so i'm just like searching yeah it kind of feels like presenting your book report to the class it's like let's be real neither one of us know very much about abraham lincoln but like i read a couple books so i I have some things to say Exactly. So it was really, it's always really nice to hear that. But she uh, learned about, she learned about, she told us about um, the riggers used by pinstripers to get the beautiful fine lines that they create. Um, Unfortunately, the sad reality is that the pan painting is being replaced by cut vinyl. Uh, Sad reality, but also kind of great because now these fantastic artists can do something else with their skills, which is kind of great. Um, and then also she learned or uh, she told us about these fantastic new brushes to make new shapes like Flora for flowers or it looks like Lowell Cornell is the creator. So we're going to put a link in the show notes for it. I haven't actually looked it up. Let me look. Yeah, it looks like some super specialized brush shapes, which is kind of fun to like. I can imagine to play with it would be pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and just see what they can do. 
And um, her mentioning of pinstripers using those rigger brushes uh, reminded me of this um, documentary, or at least a trailer for it that I had seen about sign painters. So, like we've, this has been kind of like a little mini theme. We've talked about it throughout the show that there are these technologies that they move from cutting edge to getting pushed out of the cutting edge and then being reclaimed as fine art mediums yes and uh sign lettering and sign painting is one of those things where in cities all over america these hand-painted signs have been painted over and it's way more cost effective to use vinyl graphics but people are rediscovering their love for the sensibility and the the imperfectness of hand-painted signs and it to to my brain it's really weird to see something that is almost perfect but done by hand the aesthetic is so distinctive it's different than kind of casual hand lettering and it's so much different than perfect computer vinyl lettering it kind of makes your brain wiggle a little bit bit. yeah because you're like that's perfect but it's not perfect oh man what's going on there and yeah just humans doing things that robots are better at is always uh, a a weird a weird uh, thing to see it's uh very similar to like when the amazing painters create a portrait that looks exactly like a photo yeah like not just uh, you know, like a Renaissance style, like gorgeous portrait of a person, but when it looks like it's a photograph, I mean that just yeah, not just even blows your mind. yeah, some as distinct from fine portraiture, which is its own aesthetic. But you, I think what you're talking about is like these big uh, like ballpoint pen portraits that are Fo- done to look specifically like photographs. Yes, uh, photorealistic. I think yeah. is the proper term of it. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty. That's pretty it's crazy. Insane. Yeah. Insane. So we'll put the link to the sign lettering documentary. This is like my favorite category of film. It's just we hung out with a bunch of artists and followed them. And they did cool stuff. And now we get to watch. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah. I didn't see whether it was out. I think it is. And I think maybe. Uh, yeah. Cool. You can watch it for uh, like $8. So not Boom. not bad at all. But um, yep, available on iTunes and probably VHX or whatever that company is called. Um, but we also got a great in-depth email from uh, Marcus. He had some feedback on um, color systems that was, to be quite honest, a little over my head. I'll have to do a little bit more close reading and and research to follow up on that but there was some other stuff that i am perfectly smart enough to understand right at this precise moment um so (laughs) (laughs) um one thing uh, marcus mentioned was a distinctive uh, quality of gouache is that because it's opaque you can use mixing techniques that are similar to acrylics um specifically you can use white and black to build um, shades and tints from the pigments that you have so uh, that's distinct from watercolor you don't usually mix in um, white and black with watercolor you usually use the white of the page as your highlight so that's a different um, painting technique and he also had a pretty great podcast recommendation that I think you had a chance to check out didn't you Kathy? 
Yeah, I am so excited. Uh, he introduced us to the Art History Babes, who are amazing. Uh, they are four art history grad students who talk about art while drinking wine, which, like, two of my most favorite things ever, uh, art and wine and getting to talk about it. But he specifically mentioned um, entire shows based on a color. And so the one about blue, I need to, like, I'm excited to actually listen to the whole thing. I just kind of peeked in. But, like, um, the one about blue is talking about uh, a painting by Michelangelo with an unfinished corner because he didn't get the blue color that he needed to do it. And uh, Marcus was like, uh it makes you wonder why Michelangelo left it blank. Maybe he was hopeful. Maybe he was temperamental. Example, if you don't supply the incredibly expensive and rare paint I want, then I won't finish the painting so there. Which <laughs> amused the heck out of me because I can totally see Michelangelo doing that based on, you know, everything I've read about him. He was very much a sassy, like, whatever. I do this. You pay me. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get what I need, uh, screw you yeah. type of a thing. Uh, and then apparently there is also an episode about Bob Ross, which sounds incredible. And I'm super <laughs> excited. Yeah. Super excited. Um, I, it sounds like they do a kind of deep dive into different colors. So we we kind of rushed through that last week about how these uh, different colors were developed and then introduced to artists. And so you can imagine that that introduction had this kind of um, impact on the landscape the same way any kind of fad would when you get a, a, a new ability and yeah I remember hearing about blue in particular because it was so expensive people would commission paintings and part of the commission would be the amount of blue that the artist could use so part of it was kind of just part of the spec putting a limit on them I'm only going to supply this much blue but then another part of it was commissioning a painting with a high blue content specifically because you wanted it to be the showpiece that showed how expensive it was so it's yeah yeah it's kind of breaks your brain a little bit to be like mm, look at my mm, so rich look at all the blue <laughs> <laughs> right it, it brings to mind as well like that same mindset the people that are like oh millennials now all they do is take pictures of themselves with their phones and it's like yeah but rich people paid like a lot of money to sit <laughs> and get a portrait uh, painted of them so really <laughs> uh, that's my favorite is when uh millennials get snarky about uh about that that kind of critique you all take pictures of yourselves like yeah but you know what we don't do we don't pay 50 grand to get portraits made of ourselves right <laughs> yeah yeah, no, it entertains me. It uh, entertains me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we also got a great tweet uh, in reference to um, the show that we talked about last week uh, with watercolor and American watercolor. And Leslie sent us a link to um, a book written uh, about The Great Mother, um, which is this amazing book um, written by a man, which made it, and that's a whole other topic that we uh, are going to talk about. And before I start talking, just so you know, the link that we're going to post in the show notes is not safe for work. I mean, it's not overtly sexual or anything, but oh my goodness, there's a naked booby and um, postpartum body photos. So just be aware. Uh, 
of that, but it um, the full title is The Great Mother, Women, Maternity, and Power in Art and Visual Culture, 1900 to 2015. And it kind of dives into both the, like, female artists, but also, like, how the female character is kind of created in the 19th or in the 20th century Mm -hmm. um and just some really i mean i am excited to take a look at the book because the article is really interesting and just kind of like talks about so many very important things that i wonder how much attention it would have gotten if it was written by a woman as opposed to a man who wrote it and was like hey look i this am not directly related to the subject in this book so you should totally read it and but the article uh, makes it seem more like he's like let me present this to the world as opposed to I know everything about women in art which kind of is helpful yeah it seems like um so he was interviewed about this and uh it seemed like part of his interest came out of um, becoming a father and then becoming interested in how um, maternity and motherhood sort of lived as an image and a concept across 20th century art. And um, he says, he said, the great mother is my version of an anti-patriarchal history of art in the 20th century. And I say with this with the greatest modesty and fear, I am sure many will criticize it for being still a bit too masculine. So um, I think that is a pretty good image in my understanding of what it means to be a good ally. So you, yes. you use your uh, position to speak about other experiences right so you use your position as a a man that's an art critic to talk about the representation of women and you know entering that that you're going to do it poorly to some degree right because it's not your experience and it's and it's hard but you do it anyway knowing that you're going to get that criticism because it's still worth it so you you like try your darndest to do the best you can you know you're going to do it imperfectly but you do it anyway because it's more important to say those things and to present that work than it is to protect your own imagination about yourself as somebody that knows exactly what they're talking about. So yes. like anytime I step out to try to talk to my friends or family about uh, the experience of black Americans, like I'm going to do a bad job, you know, like I, I know yeah. it from the beginning, but I try anyway because it's important, especially to bring into white spaces, to, to bring uh, those uh, stories and those ideas. And I mean, if you, if it's kind of like comes with it, like if you want to be an ally, you're going to stay, you're going to say stupid stuff. And like, you just got to like, if you don't want to do that, then you don't really want to be an ally. <laughs> yeah. But you, yeah, you got to learn from where you're at. And, and yeah, that's, it's so true. I mean, and this, this is a perfect example of it because it makes you it makes you really wonder like because i'm sure there have been similar books like this um probably not exactly but it's just it's just interesting yeah Uh, and we're just 
kind of continued our uh, full discussion of feminism (laughs) (laughs) as related to art. Yeah, uh, uh, there's a whole section in here about um, the representation of Mary. That's like one of the huge themes, right? If you wanted to sort of draw draw a line of representation of women through western art like a lot of that line would go through depictions of the virgin mary and i talked to my little sister a lot about um the intersection of feminism and theology because it's something she's really interested in um and she gets a little like bored and exhausted of talking about Mary. You know, she's like, ah, I don't want to talk about Mary. I'm like, listen, hon, <laughs> like, can't go, can't go around it, can't go under right? it. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you want, it's right there. You want to have this you conversation? You gotta go through it. You gotta go through it. You gotta go through it. <laughs> so uh, true. Yeah. So I would be interested to to read it just um, for that um, for that component because the way that Mary is depicted often represents um, theologies about Mary and theologies about Mary very, very closely related to theologies about women. So yeah, definitely worth taking a look, but maybe uh, wait till you're home to take a click over because I'm sure that none of you are going to be horrified by these things, but you know, um, out of context in your cubicle, maybe uh, starting conversations you don't want to be having. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Especially, I mean, and of course, as always, depends on where you work. Yep, it's or, true. Or like, because, you know, at, I'm at work, but I can read it because <laughs> nobody else is here. But if you're in an office, yeah, that is It turns out 70% of our audience works at Planned Parenthood, and it's no big <laughs> deal. <laughs> I I don't I think that our audience is too big. Um, if you compare the funding of Planned Parenthood, it's like <laughs> right. mathematically impossible that seventy percent of our audience <laughs> works there. Sorry, mm, no more funding jokes. I promise. That's the only no. one. <laughs> uh, so one one last uh, link that came across our desk before we jump into gel pens. Um, Many of us hail from the uh, analog tools corner of the internet, wherein um, CW Pencils is a sort of uh, amazing citizen. They, they just do such great work. They're one of those web shops that I just browse like a magazine, you know. And, I've, and drool. <laughs> yeah, I've bought a couple things um, from their shop, but I also just like to uh, step in and like see what's going on. And I think I saw that Carolyn ordered her first fountain pen this week and the and the fountain pen conversion has begun. So I think we all have to like get into gear and start like art supply conversion to, to sort of... Yes. Um, <laughs> To, to 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 we we just want CW love to be uh all over all of our uh hobbies so fountain pens yes. and pencils and art supplies and so um on that topic I saw that they had written a a blog post about water soluble pencils coming from the perspective of traditional pencils so it would be an interesting thing to read if you're looking to bridge across you know, writing tools over into art supplies. They have a they have a perspective on it that's informed more by that kind of stationary perspective. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, and while you're there, be like, hmm, more art supplies. Hmm, that would be yeah. such a good idea for you, how you should expand your business. I like giving I other people lots of work to do. 
I know. Hey, so uh, you I got an idea. do that. Uh-huh. And uh, when you do, feel free to come and chat with us because we will totally talk to you yeah. on our podcast. Uh, so true. Um, uh, sorry, I got distracted. I dove into the shop and I knew I shouldn't have clicked it. Why Why did you click the link? <laughs> yeah, that way, oh. that way madness lies. Yes, it's so true. All right. So, uh, hey. Heather, shall we talk about gel pens? I think so. Um, word has it that it's a it's an it's an area of uh, deep consideration. You you are <laughs> a gel pen fan. I am led to believe. I am a huge gel pen fan. I cannot even tell you how many pens I went through in high school um, because I was very adamant for my color coding oh. to. Like for any notes that I took, I mean, I can I can picture myself actually in art history class uh, taking my notes in my sparkly jelly roll from Sakura, who are a lot older than I thought they were. Uh, They're actually just turned 33. 33. Sorry, had to do the math there. Yeah, I think um, I think they're a lot younger in their American incarnation or at least in their pop culture explosion. Yes, uh, it definitely wasn't pop like full on pop culture until the 90s, but they've been around since early 80s, which is kind of amazing. Um, But they were the first to really become uh, Americanized Mm -hmm. and become popular. And it's. So my favorite thing about it was the colors, of course, mm-hmm. but also like it wasn't just the color. Uh, you got them in metallic and glitter and just so much to add a little bit of extra oomph when you're taking a ton of notes. Did you ever have kind of those great. ones that you write in glitter and then you would erase and like the glitter would go away? Uh, no. Uh, why have I never heard those wow. were the jam, man. I don't remember what they were called. They were like midnight or something. They had all these different lines. You'd get the little eight pack and they had like a whole theme across them. Oh. Yeah. Those were the particular that ones that amazing. landed in my lap that I just like used the heck out of. That sounds incredible. I, nope, I'm not going to follow links and go on the <laughs> la la la. <laughs> um, so the biggest thing about gel pens, uh, they're very similar to a ballpoint or a felt tip. Um, the difference is, is that the ink is suspended in a water-based gel. And what this does is this am- allows for uh, a higher viscosity which means more pigments are in it, which also means that it's opaque. And that's why um, specifically for like artists, gel pens were great because it was almost like you were able to write with a paint Mm -hmm. um, because it was very thick and solid, but still was clean and easy to take care of. And you didn't have to clean brushes and it was great because it was all just right there and these pretty, pretty colors and mm-hmm. pretty colors. Did I mention the pretty colors? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is. I mean, we joke, but I think uh, there is something t- about the way that the pigment suspension is done that allows there to be this um, much broader range of colors. Um, I think, yeah. if I'm remembering correctly, I think that um, ballpoint inks are um, more oil-based 
So I think that there, something about that limits the range of colors. Um, yeah. My so my ink science is the, not is not great, but I re- definitely remember wh- that, that it's not an accident that gel pens come in so many different colors. Yeah. The nice thing about this Wikipedia link that I found um, was the fact that there's a breakdown of what gel ink is in reaction, like compared to other inks. So like with, Mm -hmm. uh, compared to ballpoint pens, the gel pens are bolder, more opaque opaque line. They do smudge more because the ink is wetter, Um, Mm -hmm. but it does have skips because the ball is going to be less evenly coated with the ink. You use more ink, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, but it's. Um, do you do you remember when you uh, like first uh, got a hold of uh, jelly rolls? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was my freshman year in high school, um, because I was able to. Because that was the first year I believe that you didn't get a, an official school list mm-hmm. where they broke down like you must have. 24 Ticonderoga number two yellow pencils blah 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 Mm -hmm. and so you were able to kind of become more creative with your supplies other than like oh I want the pink Lisa Frank unicorn (laughs) pen case um and the uh Jansport polka dot backpack yeah that That would make sense because i think you are five or six years older than me and Mm -hmm. i remember them really sort of exploding when i was in like third and fourth grade so we were i think we were too young to have a lot of freedom in what we used in the classroom because like you said it was still very practice your penmanship with your ballpoint pen or your mechanical pencil um but yeah, it would have been so amazing if all if all that stuff arrived on the scene while you were first starting to have a legitimately a lot of stuff to organize and color code. Yes. You, know? you were talking about yeah. like, writing your homework for different <laughs> subjects in different colors. My 10th grade self would have been really into that, but uh, <laughs> my 10th grade self did not... Um, live in the time of uh gel pen explosion so (laughs) what we did was much more like writing on our hands at slumber parties i distinctly remember gel pens sort of being like uh cigarettes in prison for fourth graders like (laughs) (laughs) it's like you could tell who's tough who's powerful because they had a lot of gel pens and not only because uh like their parents bought them a lot but because like people would give them to friends you know so be like looking all my gel pens like I got a lot of loyalty, got a lot of power in this classroom. (laughs) (laughs) My little self, I was so, oh God, it was, I was like, I was like a Spider-Man about sensing all of that awful social hierarchy stuff. I was, I was obsessed with it and I was not good at it. And that's a bad combination because I was was like, I felt like I could uh, tell all how people were like insulting each other and me and (laughs) everybody, but I was not really, I couldn't not really harness the that power to do anything useful so I just felt like I was this observer but I remember how like Tamagotchis and gel pens and stuff they would kind of come into that world and they would get subsumed by it and used as like weird tools and and the like strange political lives of elementary students (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, that's. I still kind of. I think. I think it's been long enough that I don't have that association anymore. <laughs> but whenever I see uh, those little jelly rolls, part of me is like, if I bought forty of them, I could do whatever I wanted because I'd be so powerful. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> My social capital will be raised with the amount of money that I spent. On- <laughs> I could just like put ten of them and approach somebody at a bar. Will you go on a date with me? Just like. <laughs> But before you answer, I'd like to present you with my gel pen collection. Right? Or you wear like a necklace out of the gel pen and be like, hey. Hey, girl. How you hey. Doing? <laughs> I feel like that might actually work in the lesbian scene specifically uh, at the age that you guys are. At. Yeah, maybe it would be a, a sort of game recognized game. He would be like, I remember yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So yeah, there's that, you know, gel pens uh, are more nostalgic to me than like fancy, but uh, I may or may not have a pack in my jet pens cart to purchase at some time in the future oh may or may not i think gel pens are also interesting in how they have lived along that curve that we describe of moving from a fad into a a solid technology and then maybe moving out of that because gel pens arrived on the scene and I think the biggest thing was that you can make all these colors and so they were seen as a tool for kids and yeah and then I think it kind of uh grew into American stationary culture to the point where now I mean gel pens are kind of I mean, this is a controversial thing to say with our audience, but it's like it's kind of the best pen technology there is, right? Like the yeah. I think one of the only bad things about gel pens are that they use up ink pretty quickly, you know. And also that they do tend to skip more, um, yeah, that's just true. because it doesn't coat yeah. coat the ball as much. But yeah, those those I mean, those are pretty much the main. Most stick pens that people get crazy about end up being gel pens you know whether that's um like a high-tech c or the jelly rolls or um the uni ball ones that i get at the grocery store like when if somebody is kind of going through their life and they pick up a pen and they're used to using hotel ballpoints and they go oh man this is nice a lot of times that's it's because it's a gel pen and they just like like that feeling so it's kind of funny how it moves from yeah it's a tool for kids but also like architecture students loving their high-tech C's like it's it's kind of uh grown into all of these uh different corners so my chronology is probably wrong about how it got there like maybe architecture students have been using those pens for a lot longer um, well because- actually you are correct at least with sakura uh they started out making them for kids with a bigger grip so that the kids could use them mm-hmm so it did, you know, at least you got that part right. Yeah, let's focus on that. Let's focus on all the yeah. things I got right. <laughs> Not Nothing that we got wrong because yeah. uh, we are in a positive space. I'm just kidding. If we do say anything wrong, please tell us. Yeah, we uh, love, we and love tell us nicely. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, what are we going to talk about next week? It's your turn. So... Heather, I would like you to tell me all about how the best way to travel 
or move with your art supplies. I know you've done some trips and like <laughs> your lovely uh, uh, plumbing issue uh that you had previously oh uh, that's true we didn't talk about this last week but yeah we didn't talk about uh, that the, <laughs> tuesday i i think no it ended yeah it was tuesday we recorded the podcast and that was the only time that i was in my house after 5 p.m because i had to turn off the water to my trailer for a week to get this leak fixed which it turns out it's still not fixed but now i can't oh, really no. leave because i have a cat so i have to figure it out but it's just adventures of living in the trailer um oh. yeah but but you're right that I was like pinging back and forth between my parents' house. Nice thing about living five miles from your parents' house is that um, it's like got a really solid fallback plan when my house starts to fall on top of me. <laughs> Until they decide to go on a trip around the U.S. and leave their house in someone else's. <sighs> That's true. Uh, man. But I guess. I, I mean, I, I, it's a good thing we're talking about it now that my parents love me more than your no. <laughs> we are going to come to it eventually. I feel like we've been tiptoeing around it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in really good news, my parents uh, will be home at the end of next month, hopefully. So I'm very, very, very excited about that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, traveling and moving, I have... I started to have like half thoughts about maybe moving. You ha- you have been <laughs> privy to to my all of my half yes. thoughts. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I have a new plan. I have a new plan. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of one of those where you just like you're along for the ride. Like I enjoy just kind of listening to what you're thinking now. Yeah, uh, partially because <laughs> it doesn't necessarily directly relate to me it's true it's so I true. Can kind of just go uh-huh um the place where you're yeah. moving i'm assuming there's going to be internet yeah i will right? say the only yeah. the only time that you get more involved is when i'm like maybe i'll move to portland and then you're like no, uh, i have yes. strong feelings now <laughs> yes and they are all positive uh because yeah. if you're gonna move cross country you might as well come to portland because it we is, need to hang out um is a strong contender uh, so that means that I have been looking around at my house and it's like all the nice stuff that you own turns on you and suddenly it's like all smiling like aren't you looking forward to putting me in a box and you're like no <laughs> not really <laughs> no no <laughs> so yeah I have been thinking about that so that'll be a that'll be a good point both uh, like how to take it on the move with you but also uh, it could be interesting to hear about people moving studios and stuff like that must be oh yeah that's another good a ton of work um i could put together like a list of studio tours that i really like um because there's a there's a couple of them out there perfect yeah so uh if you have any uh experience in this make sure to tweet us or email us yeah that's actually that's a good great idea since we kind of announced it the week before i'm going to be doing research on this next week so if you listen to this and then you uh yeah have have um some ideas you can just shoot them to me and then i can incorporate them into the show next week so traveling moving with art supplies we'll talk about next week um in the meantime you can find our show notes at artsupplyposse.com slash 39. If you want to get in touch, I am Periard on Twitter, P-E-A-R-I-Y-A-R-D. And Kathy is Mrs. Soup, M-R-S-S-O-U-P. And if you've got 
a, a longer wall of text to send our way about your cat opinions or your <laughs> uh, expertise in moving art supplies around, uh, you can email us at hello at artsupplyposse.com. Thanks, as always, to Bob Atkins of Skylab Letterpress for our music. And we will talk to you guys next week. Have a good night, Fassie. Bye.